Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. Our Tuesday podcast pushed to Wednesday night recording. Carolina, of course, beat Boston College in the Smith Center. And Ross, I'll go to you first. We were talking a little bit off the air, so let's talk about it on air, the difference in the Carolina teams we saw in just, what, three days. Uh, Go to Virginia, look awful on offense. Play a Boston College team that's got some talent and look great on offense. Your thoughts on the difference there? I, I think, and I said it, and I'll start it off, I think it was mostly on North Carolina, but no doubt Virginia's style and their execution on defense is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it does have a lot to do with what North Carolina did on offense, but I think it's kind of a a gray area where you don't know how much the the defensive um, aspect plays into affecting how good they are on offense and and how they make it tough for how each team, you know, either makes it tough or easy to get in your stuff. And, and get open shots and open looks, but and we saw a completely different team on Tuesday night against Boston College than we saw on uh, on Saturday in Charlottesville. I mean, completely different on offense. You know, moving around, knocking down shots, not turning the ball over, attacking the basket, multiple different players attacking the basket, and then just shots dropping. Um, you know, Luke May just catching on fire, hitting I think seven of eight through one stretch that really pushed out UNC's lead all over the court. You know, shooting. From three and inside, and some some step back fadeaway shots. He, he looked like he couldn't miss, and then uh, and then other players just compliment each other. You know, Theo Pinson looked like Theo Pinson that um, we've seen in really good games, and Kenny Williams had played a much better game. So across the board, it was a black and white uh, night and day from what we saw at UVA. And I think that that UVA deal is really frustrating to watch for UNC, and really frustrating for them to play. Because they seem to have no success against that pack line defense up there, and uh, it it really, I'm sure, struck fear into, into fans and into to Coach Williams and, and the team because they looked so inept. But then to rebound like they did against Boston College is exactly what they needed to get that kind of production from Luke May, who struggled for uh, for Joel Berry and some other players to knock down shots, and and for them to really not turn the ball over. I, don't, I think Joel Berry, Theo Pence, and Cameron Johnson all had zero turnovers. Was a was really a big moment and, and step for this team, um, regardless how good Boston College really is. Yeah, I, I think Boston College is can play well. That I don't think they did, and I thought North Carolina certainly took advantage of it. Looked very very good at times against the Eagles. But Greg, going back to Virginia for a second, I mean, if you are not fully invested on the offensive end against Virginia, you don't have a shot. I mean, they their defense, they don't have any overly athletic guys they have some athletes but nobody that stands out but if you're not moving on offense and keeping your spacing uh, they just swallow you up and they did it to this Carolina team but they did it to the national champions last year and they've done it many times before I I think again I think it's partly on Carolina simply because it's in their head a little bit going up there because most of these guys have been there before and the same thing happened last year and the year before that. Your thoughts on that? I mean, Virginia's no doubt good, but Virginia does nothing special to win them anything except a, an ACC tournament once in a blue moon, but nothing in the tournament. So what is it about that place? Well, I think a couple of things happened 
on Saturday that are a little bit different than what's happened in the past. But you know, Virginia's had some really good teams in recent years. And I think that's played a big role in it. I mean, you're talking about guys like Joe Harris, Justin Anderson when he was healthy, Malcolm Brogdon, some some really kind of elite guys, especially in terms of the ACC play. And they could score, and they were very good defensively. And that just presents a challenge for, for pretty much everybody. Because I love that arena. That's one of my uh, favorite arenas to to cover a game in. It's just got really kind of like, almost like an NBA vibe to it, the way it's set up. Uh, it's pretty neat, and it's, it's a good home court for the Cavaliers. But this Virginia team doesn't have any of those big stars. I mean, Kyle Guy's good. Uh, Devin Hall's solid. But nobody on this roster says, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely going to get drafted. Um, but they they do exactly what Tony wants them to do. They they play with energy. Uh, they play that pack line defense very well, and then they're efficient offensively. They get good shots, and so I mean they shot forty five percent against UNC on Saturday, and and that's going to be enough. So a lot of that's North Carolina. You know, has to get better defensively. We talked about that ad nauseum. Seems like, but for North Carolina, I, I think the Cavaliers really exposed where UNC's deficiencies are and it's primarily in the paint in north carolina was was eight of 31 on two-point shots in charlottesville so right at 25 percent from two they shot a better percentage from three even more than that though is that they only took 11 free throws so not only was north carolina ineffective inside they were unable to really kind of attack the glass and get some fouls and you know, North Carolina has, has really done a good job of that in recent years, kind of everywhere. And it, it's easy to kind of isolate it down just to Charlottesville, but uh, that is a tough place to play. But I think we've seen that in recent weeks where North Carolina has just had such a hard time being able to score on the interior. And I think that's one of the reasons you know, Roy switched up things against Boston College to allow for better spacing. Um, and, and that kind of opens things up and, and creates you know, penetration lanes, and then you can kick out for some outside shots. Uh, but Virginia does not allow that. And so teams like that, they're going to pack it in. Now, I'm curious to see how UNC does against Syracuse in that matchup zone. Uh, you can get inside of that zone a little bit easier, and you can get inside of Virginia's defense. Uh, but that's the kind of uh, matchup that North Carolina likely will struggle in or against unless it's knocking down shots from the outside. Ross, let's talk a little bit about the the change that Greg mentioned there, the going to the ultra small lineup to start the game, and you know I see the numbers and all, and it doesn't translate that it made that big a difference when they were on the court together. But seeing the game, I mean, certainly Carolina came out on fire against Boston College, got whatever they wanted on offense. So thoughts on that switch? Do you think the switch sticks, or do you think that was a a one time thing for? Roy Williams, I mean, Boston College doesn't have any bigs to really give anybody problems, and Carolina certainly exposed that against them. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the million-dollar question. I mean, is Roy going to roll out Garrison Brooks against Notre Dame or, or stick with the smaller lineup? And I think the smaller lineup matches up a little bit better to what Notre Dame does. So you'd like to think that they stick with Cam Johnson in that lineup. And, I mean, you nailed some points there. I mean, it was free-flowing. They were able to get out and transition a little more. They were more driving lanes. I think, you know, obviously having big men down low, it, it packs things in in the paint, and you can't get in there and dish out the things that Theo Pinson does so well. 
And so I think it worked exactly how we expect it to work and what we've seen already this season when UNC goes small and committing to that uh, and seeing Roy Williams commit to that was, was kind of a cool thing because he is, he is one to always start to big man and values rebounding so much leading to my, my next point that they dominated the boards in the first half. And I looked up and they were at a 16, two differential. You saw Cam Johnson having close to 10 rebounds in the first half. Uh, Luke may dominating the glass and, you know, all the players making a conscientious effort to to, to hit the boards, and that is gonna that effort and those numbers uh, on the glass is what's gonna keep Roy Williams able to to run that small lineup, which I think puts the best five players on the court. And of course, we saw Garrison Brooks come in, we saw Sterling Manley come in, and they both contributed in different ways. So it's not like it's a complete uh, move to a, a four out one in thing. They're still gonna rock to big minute times, but um, it, it definitely looked and appeared like a lineup that's going to be effective for this team, given the experience and kind of the the offensive limitations of UNC's fresh and big men. If they had Tony Bradley, it'd be a completely different story. They'd run Luke May at the four, Tony Bradley at the five, and it'd be your same old classic UNC lineup. They don't have that luxury. Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley, just, they just can't score as easily down low like Kenny, Mix, Kenny Meeks or Bryce Johnson or Isaiah Hicks can. And so that opens up things uh, with the four guards for Cam Johnson, Luke May, and all those guys that have a, um, a very diverse offensive game. It's fun to watch. You saw them having fun. It was really cool to see. Greg, do you think that Garrison Brooks maybe played a little better without, I don't want to call it the stress of starting, but he was able to see the game and then he came back in and then Sterling Manley just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fact that the the starting five uh, provided such a, a burst of energy out of the gate, and you know, talking with Kenny Williams, I asked him specifically, you know, why the why that burst of energy to start the game was it just a small lineup or was it coming home? And it, he stressed that hey, you know, part of it is small lineup, but a lot of it is that we lost two games on the road where we did not play well. We wanted to make sure we came in uh, and really gave it are all. And so I think we need to understand that. But to your point, I think that's exactly right where the the small lineup, you know, played very well to start, got a lead, as Ross said, really dominated the boards there in the opening minutes. And so that when Brooks and Manley come into the game, there's good vibes, uh the offense is is moving and they can just kind of work within the flow. And I think that's very beneficial for them. Because even though Roy started small, he still played that traditional lineup uh, just as much, if not more, than that that small lineup. And so, I really think it's kind of a situation where we talk. We've talked before. Roy was going to give these bigs as many minutes as he possibly could in the early part of the year to allow them to develop and mature and kind of knock some of that that freshman uh, aura off a little bit. And he's going to continue to do that. But if you can put him in positions like he did against Boston College, where there's not that amount of pressure uh, and the team's playing well and they can just kind of slide in, uh, I think that helps them confidence-wise and it allows them to get better. You know, if North Carolina's playing Florida State or playing Virginia in a tough game and Sterling Manley misses some of the point-blank shots that he missed, that's a completely different vibe than what happened against Boston College when UNC's up 20 and he can kind of laugh it off. And so I think all those types of things kind of play into it. Uh, and that's, I do think this small lineup 
will stay at least for Notre Dame, even with you know Colson being out. Notre Dame plays that small ball, and so it really works for UNC to, to start with that small lineup again. But once we you get past Saturday, uh, exactly how Roy handles it is going to be fascinating to watch. And I thought that um, with the open, more open lineup and just a little more, I guess, movement on offense, that opened things up for Sterling Manley to have all those dunks. And you saw him kind of come into his own down low with those easy opportunities that kind of occurred because of how loose UNC was playing and, and all the movement and kind of driving lanes they had. So that was good for him. I mean, he tried that reverse dunk. You know, he was slamming things in. So you kind of – that helped them get more easy looks, which can just kind of help their confidence and kind of help them figure out their role um, within this lineup and on this team this season. Greg, your point there about Sterling Manley, when he tried that reverse and missed it and pinned himself on the rim – Cam Johnson, I noticed it right away. Cam Johnson was not happy that he didn't <laughs> he didn't pass it to him. And a couple things I saw there, I saw a freshman and an upperclassman, the difference in the reaction, but I also saw a twenty point game versus a two point game. You know, and Cam Johnson to me, and Greg, I want your opinion on this and both of you guys, that he was one hundred percent focused, one hundred percent in it, serious, didn't want to see any mistake there. Because, like you said, Greg, if it's a mistake in a close game, that's a problem. Yeah, for sure. We saw that at Virginia. I mean, how many careless turnovers did North Carolina have? Like Roy said after the game, they basically spotted the Cavaliers a 6-0 lead with three you know, just inexcusable plays there at the midcourt line. Uh, and so you can't have those types of plays. But I mean, Cam Johnson, I hadn't been completely impressed with his first couple of games. And you know, I've chalked up some of it to conditioning. I know he's still kind of coming around. But clearly, he's got a good uh, spot-up jumper. But beyond that, I was kind of curious as to what exactly he could bring this team. Uh, he, he looked great against Boston College. Um, he, he distributed the ball. He had 11 rebounds. I mean, he had like eight rebounds in the first like five minutes of the game, it seemed like. Uh, but he was moving, playing good defensively, played with a ton of effort. And if he plays like that, then all of a sudden you're Dylan because Luke May is going to have some good games. Joel Berry is going to do what he does game in and game out. Uh, and now all of a sudden you've got some scoring options. And you, you add in Kenny Williams you know, getting hot the way he does at times and Theo being able to kind of facilitate and be that point forward. Uh, then North Carolina can really execute offensively. But I, I, I think you're right. I think it's the effort more than anything. Um, and that you know, the the defense has always kind of sparked the uh, the offense for the Tar Heels. It allows them to get out in transition, and I think that's that's kind of a key component of when you start doing those things with effort. A lot of good things kind of snowball for you. It's funny hearing Greg, you know, praise Cameron Johnson because because you know we sat next to each other in Charlottesville, and you were not too impressed with what he was doing there, and it looked like a completely different player. And uh, it's sure, just kind yeah. of. It's just weird college basketball is like that. I mean, he looked really bad against UVA, but then, he, yeah, he comes back and he's passing the ball, he's rebounding the ball, he's showing more offense than the three-point shot. And that's kind of evolves to a, a bigger question. I mean, what kind of UNC team are we going to get day in, uh, night in, night out? Because they looked horrible against UVA, but then looked great against Boston College. Maybe it's a difference in the competition level, but also comes back to what UNC did. Because I wrote some things after the UVA game that, I mean, I thought this team had some big-time offensive issues with their lack of interior scoring. 
But then against Boston College, they kind of proved me wrong. The fact that they can get it done at a high level without interior scoring, without a, a dominant big man, which I, I think UNC has to have and take it to the next level. So looking ahead, I mean, Notre Dame, a, a good Clemson team, I guess. Uh, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech. I mean, it, it's kind of weird to predict and, and it's hard to tell which UNC team we're going to get because we've seen the highs and we've also seen the lows. And it's, it's you know, you're ripping them one day and then you're praising them the next day. And it's Final Four or it's out in the first round. It's just kind of a weird season so far. I don't, I'm not sure if we really even know what we're going to get and how good or bad this team really is. Yeah, yeah well, two things about that real quick, Tommy. Number one, uh, we know something that is never going to change under Roy Williams, and that his that is his determination and his demand that his teams rebound the ball successfully. That is not on the table for something he's willing to uh, give up on. And back in 2012-13, when P.J. Harrison entered the game, uh, entered the starting lineup for Desmond Hubert at Duke, he started the last 14 games. North Carolina went nine and five. Their rebounding margin, I don't know if it was even, but it was close. It may have been negative. In the second round of the NCAA tournament, they were out rebounded by 14 and they lost. And that drove Roy Williams crazy. But that team was just good enough offensively uh, with a small lineup to give them a chance to win games. If North Carolina, if the small lineup can play defense and rebound the ball, the way it did against Boston College, that gives Roy Williams plenty of reason to play that small lineup more. That's the key component. You want to see the small ball? Rebound the basketball. That's, those two things go hand in hand. Now, why do they have that much success against Boston College? And this goes to Ross's point. After Virginia, everybody's like, what in the world is going on with North Carolina? Well, I'll tell you what. They went on the road at a top 25 Florida State team and had a chance to win at the end. They go on the road against the team that's leading the ACC right now, that's top five in the country, and they lost. And then they come home and they play against the Boston College team who's not sniffing the top 25, and they blow them out. Funny how those things work. Playing good teams in the ACC on the road is difficult to, to accomplish. It's very tough to win games that way. But against teams like Boston College at home, you have to take care of that, that type of opponent. And so there is that, you know, well, they, they look worse when they lose and they look better when they win. Well, of course they do. It's, it's about the quality of opponent. It's about where you're playing the games. So it's way too early to say how good this team is. We've talked for weeks now. If they could somehow go three and two through the first five games of the ACC, they're in really good shape. And the fact that Bonzi Colson is not playing for the Irish now you have to think North Carolina probably will be favored on Saturday. It'll be close because Irish are still playing well. But if they win that game, get to three and two, then you're saying, okay, well, they're, they're in really good shape. They're kind of where we thought they would be at this point of the season. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about that matchup and about life on the road in the ACC. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. 
Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Ross, I'll go to you first. I mean, to Greg's point before the break there, it matters where you play a lot in the ACC. And I know they keep talking about how Carolina's had a winning record on ACC seven start years. And yes, that's a good thing. But going to Virginia and playing Boston College at home, I don't think you could have two completely different or any more different uh, situations for a team. But the way I try to look at it for this team and, and see where they are is I look at that Florida State game. They played really well during that game, and they played really bad during that game. So your take on going to Notre Dame, the importance of getting a win up here for this team's confidence, because if they go to Notre Dame and they lose, that's 0-3 on the road. Then they come back to, I believe, Clemson, what, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. But thoughts there on how important for North Carolina, just from a purely confidence standpoint, to get a win at Notre Dame, and does Bonzi Colson's absence put more pressure on North Carolina to get it done up there? Yeah, I mean, a win at Notre Dame against a good Notre Dame team will do a lot for UNC's confidence to win on the road. I think that's a pretty obvious point. It's a good Notre Dame team, a really good coach Notre Dame team. And I think Coach Bray is one of the better coaches in the league uh, with what he kind of, what he, the hand he's dealt, you know, they never have a, big big time star like duke and unc and some other teams but they always seem to be there in the ac tournament atop the standings they always seem to knock off a top team so it's always a tough out so winning up there in front of a likely a rowdy crowd the students are probably back in town now it'll be a big win just to say that this team can win on the road and and getting to that what three and two mark in the acc um obviously not having to go against bonzi colson you can get buckets it's going to help them. I think that's a pretty clear point as well. Um, and I just actually, before recording this podcast, I just saw Luke May out um, at a restaurant. And you know, he was like, yeah, it's a, it's a must win. You know, we got to get that that victory. And I think, obviously, that's the, the mindset entering any game. But it does feel like it's a it's a significant game, not as important as, as beating Boston College at home. I think that was a – losing that would have been devastating. But it, it's, a, it's a big kind of stepping stone – towards the the girth of the ACC season and winning on the road in the ACC is tough. You know, Duke just beat Pitt to break a five-game ACC road losing streak. Duke, who's been a, a top team, has lost five straight in the ACC until Wednesday night. So that just tells you, I mean, it goes without saying, winning on the road is hard. Greg, Bonzi Colson out. Farrell may be out. If he's not, I'm sure he will put up big numbers against North Carolina, but you know, does it translate? Does this is this the game that North Carolina's performance against Boston College translate into a better performance on the road up in Notre Dame? Uh, that that's a good question, Tommy. And it's kind of hard to, to gauge because of what what you said. You know, Colson we know's out. Matt Farrell missed his second straight game against Georgia Tech uh, earlier tonight, and the Irish lost to Georgia Tech, which is is not a good look. But what we do know is that Mike Bray is is an incredible uh, offensive mind, and his teams have, have been uh, off the charts efficiency wise you know, in recent years. Uh, 
And if Farrell is able to play, uh, then North Carolina really has to kind of elevate its defensive prowess. And w- one thing that we know has been an issue for the Tar Heels uh, is you know, kind of on the ball defense, which Notre Dame will exploit, and then uh, you know, defending the three ball. And Notre Dame does that about as well as anybody in the ACC. So uh, I think it's really going to be about defense, and that comes with effort, and that's something else we've talked about a lot. So I know a lot of people kind of freaked out a little bit and wondered about how good this team could be offensively. But this is a Roy Williams team. They're going to be good offensively. Um, I mean, this is a top 25 team in terms of adjusted efficiency. They're second in the ACC in terms of adjusted efficiency for offense. So that's that's going to play itself out. But the defensive end is where this team has got to kind of elevate uh, and, and play solid ball for a while. And you, they, they played well in the first half against Boston College. And then they kind of took their, their foot off the gas a little bit because they were scoring at will in the second half. And I know Boston College shot 39% for the game. But they also missed their last 10 shots in the last couple of minutes. Uh, and so you take that away, and they're shooting close to 50% for the game until that last couple of minutes. So North Carolina has to has to play well defensively, and that, that goes with effort, goes with intensity, and want to. We, we, we've talked before, it, the talent with this team, while it's good, it's not as wide uh, from other teams as maybe it has been in the past. And so they have to bring their A game every single night. And on the road, especially against a team like Notre Dame, even if it's shorthanded, uh, that's really going to kind of show up. And so they have to make sure they bring the energy they played with against the Eagles uh, to South Bend on Saturday. Ross, does it concern you at all to see uh, Carolina's, well, if you count the Boston College game, their five starters uh, all getting more than 27 minutes? Uh, I mean, that's – Greg's more of a numbers guy than either one of us are, but Barry's at 33, Luke May is at 33, Kenny Williams is at 32. I mean, is that – a little high at this point in the season? This is an ACC play only. Is that a little high at this point in the season, or do you think that's about right? I think they'd like to get Barry some more rest, and that turns to Jaleek Felton. I think the last couple of ACC games, he, he Roy hasn't really trusted him, and it's just Barry's been the guy who's kind of had to score and carry the offense, so that's why he's been playing more. So that is a little concerning, because Barry's, Barry's the most important player on the team. Um, I think that's pretty easy to say, just what he does. And how he, how he affects the team on offense and defense and carries them at times on offense. So that's a little concerning. But yeah, like like um, Greg just said, this team isn't too deep in true impact players. And that lineup's going to get smaller and smaller as the ACC season rages on. But uh, other than that, I mean, Luke does play a lot, 31.8 points uh, minutes per game. But those two guys are the ones that concern me. But then again, Luke May is the best in shape guy on the team based on his uh, results in the conditioning test. But you'd like to see Barry's numbers come a little bit down and have Jaleek felt be more of a player. I mean, if he can be that dynamic player, like we kind of thought he could be at the beginning of the season based on what we heard in the preseason, that'd be huge. If he can, get, if he can contribute, you know, six to eight points a game, that just kind of changes the whole dynamic of this team offensively. If he can be a boost off the bench and not be a guy that we're all scared that he's going to turn the ball over. Yeah, and Tommy, here, here's one point that I, I don't quite get, and I, I think this is probably an area where you could you could question Roy Williams. But against Boston College, North Carolina was leading ninety to sixty four with three minutes to play, and Theo Penson, Luke May, and Joel Barry are still playing. 
Yeah, I didn't understand it. I saw Tyler Hansberg got his uh, nose broken. Oh, well, yeah. But at least that was against Duke, right? Yeah. So, you know, I understand the concern, and I agree with you. I think it is a concern, and you don't want those guys playing out many minutes. But in that situation, I mean, I don't quite get why Felton and Playtech and some of those guys are not the only ones in the game because that's valuable learning experience against you know, an ACC opponent. But, you know, Roy does – what he does for a reason, a whole heck of a lot smarter than any of us, for sure. Uh, but the, you know, that that kind of piqued my interest uh, when, when you see those guys still in the game with the game no longer in doubt. Indeed. I thought the same thing, and it's especially in this day and age when people go down, you get them out of there as soon as you can. But, Greg, last question before I sort of wrap this one up, but on Felton, we're what? 17 games in he's shown flashes in a few games he's shown flashes within games and played bad I mean at this point in the season how much does he improve going forward I mean how much can a player in looking back you know since you've been covering Carolina how much can a player improve from this point forward versus you know starting off slow and then by now you're you're really going I mean, is he going to get better? Can he improve? Is it fair to expect him to improve significantly from here to March? I, I think so. I, you know, in terms of how much, uh, that's tough to gauge. But I do know that there have been multiple times over the years where you you kind of start hearing things about, hey, it's, it's finally starting to click for this kid in practice, uh, and you hear that in January and February, and then by the time you know, end of February rolls around and March rolls around, they start to show it a little bit more on the court. Now, by then, lineups are already established, uh, so they're not going to get the minutes that maybe they would have if that maturation development had occurred earlier in the year. So I, I do think there's still room for him to improve. Uh, we haven't necessarily heard a lot of those whispers that he's made significant strides in practice. All these guys are getting better because they're freshmen. That's what freshmen do. So there's really not that optimism that things are going to just show up for him all of a sudden, and he's going to be this elite player we thought maybe he could be. But I do think that we're still early enough in the season. I mean, we're still two months away from the final Duke game. So I think I think there's there's time there, not just for him, but for the other bigs to, to really come along as, as freshmen. Is he going to be that elite guy though, that we thought? At this point in time, I'm going to have to say no. Uh, but maybe he can play well enough to give them significant minutes off the bench. And uh, given the depth of this team, you know, even that would be a big benefit. Some of those assists he's been making, you know, incredible, are, are yeah. pretty nasty. And you're thinking, man, this guy has the potential to pass like Kendall Marshall if he can put it together. Just the, his vision kind of in yep. the lane and just putting it right where they can score is, is pretty, pretty awesome. He's got the talent, but then you see him sort of fumble a pass standing right yeah. in front of Roy Williams over there, and that's. I mean, I'd, I'd love it. I'd love to be kind of a fly on the wall when Roy's going after Jaleek because I feel like he does not hold back, and I feel like it's a regular occasion <laughs> in practice and in games. I mean, I bet he's just ripped with a guy. And it looked like if he could snatch him off the court right there and put him on the bench, <laughs> he'd have done it. But let's talk about Kenny Williams, Ross. I'll let you wrap the show talking about Kenny Williams. I mean, he's Sherelle's guy for this team i mean he does everything he's asked to do he's not shooting it particularly well especially in acc play but your thoughts on him going forward i mean i think he's a guy 
uh, he's a difference maker that we never talk about. Yeah, it's so weird because it's, it's, he seems like a guy you just don't notice really in the game. I don't know, maybe because Roy loves him too. And I know Greg always talks about how much Roy loves Kenny Williams. And, and it's kind of grown on me too because of his recent shooting. But apparently, his, I mean, his defense is the best on the team. It's kind of a thing you don't really pay attention to during the game. I think he's a great teammate. I think that's important in terms of just being in the locker room. I mean, I think UNC hasn't had any sort of locker room issues. They've actually had great chemistry in the locker room the last three or four seasons with, with Marcus Page and those guys and then transitioning to this team with Theo Pinson and Kenny Williams and, and Luke May. But um, he's kind of that gel guy who can do a lot of different things. He's big enough to defend you know, any one of the wings. Um, he can knock down some shots. He, he, he is kind of slowed down in his shooting percentage um, efficiency there. But um, – yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say. I think he's a, a very solid, important player for this team that's that's really grown, and obviously he's going to be in contention for that most improved player on the team, him and, and Luke May likely, for how they've made that jump from sophomore year to uh, the junior year. And you got to be happy for Kenny Williams, a guy who came in, struggled as a freshman, hit that 1-3 against Pitt in the AC tournament after being a, a recruit known for knocking down threes, struggling there and then getting injured as a as a sophomore and really having to struggle there just kind of like mentally refocusing himself and then coming into this season and um and putting together a, so far a, a pretty pretty special year good stuff guys carolina goes to notre dame six o'clock i believe on saturday big game for north carolina need to steal a win up there especially with colson out and then they're coming back to clemson next week to keep that streak alive ross greg i'm sure we'll talk again soon appreciate it Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.